Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. Uh, We're starting this collection of talks today called Pause, 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 Pushing Pause. Why? Because I believe that a lot of times in our life, it's so easy, especially this time of year, you're getting out of the holiday season and you're jumping into the hustle and bustle again, the grind. You got to go back to work and, you know, you got kids back to school and all those things. It's so easy if you're not careful to just rush into life again. And what I really sense that the Lord is saying to us is that we need to, we need to just push pause. We need to push pause and pray. We need to push pause and fast. Push pause and rest. Sabbath. Push pause and worship him. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about that. What does it look like when you're intentional about pushing pause on everything else? Not just one time of year, but every day of your life. Learning the discipline, the spiritual discipline of pushing pause on everything else and leaning in to God. And so today, what I want to talk to you about is pushing pause to pray, to pray. I want to speak to you for a few moments about prayer. Um, Here's what Luke chapter 11 says. This is amazing. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, he was in a specific place praying as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and he said this to him, Lord, will you teach us to pray? Will you teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples? Interesting that, that this disciple and the other disciples could have asked Jesus to teach them anything. I mean, they've seen him walk on water. How would you like to learn how to do that, right? Can you teach us how to walk on water, Jesus? Can, can you teach us how to multiply bread and fish? That's a pretty good one. Can, can you teach us how to preach? You're a phenomenal preacher. Can you, can you teach us how to, how about this? Can you teach us how to turn water into wine? That's a great one. Can you teach us th- how to raise dead people back to life? They could have requested any of those things. But instead, they said this, Jesus, will you, will you teach us how to pray? Could it be that their observation of his ministry and his life was this, is that the reason why he could raise dead people to life, the reason why he could heal the sick, the reason why he could do miracles like turning water to wine or walking on water and doing supernatural things was that those things were a result of this connection that he had, which is through prayer. And so if you want to get all these things, if you want to see the supernatural, they must have understood it has to be a result of his prayer life. This was something that he did often. Um, I love what it says in Philippians 4. Um, Paul says this to the church. He says, hey, learn to pray about everything. Learn to pray. Learn. This, this is what I believe the thought that I, I really receive from this is that prayer is something that is just not intuitive. Like you don't just, you, you, you become a Christian. It's like now you have this awesome prayer life. It's, it's not intuitive. It's something that has to be taught to us. It's something that we have to learn. I love what the greatest preacher, one of the greatest preachers to ever live, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he said this, I'd rather teach one man how to pray than 10 men how to preach. Isn't that powerful? One of the greatest communicators of the word of God said, I would rather teach one man how to pray than 10 men how to preach. So powerful. It's something that we have to learn. It's something that's not intuitive. And I can tell you this, that some of you here today, if you were to raise your hand, you don't have to do it. I would never want to embarrass you. If you were to raise your hand, you would admit, you would say, prayer is a struggle for me. It's a challenge for me. I just don't know how to pray. I don't know how to, how to do that. It sounds, it sounds so mystical. Like, how do I even do it? I would submit this to you. If, you don't, if you're a believer, you're a follower of Jesus, and you don't know how to pray, listen to me. It may not be your fault. It may actually be the fault 
of the people that maybe you sat under in spiritual leadership that assumed that you knew how to do something you never knew how to do, and they never took the time to teach you how to do it. The disciples said to Jesus, will you teach us how to pray like John? This other spiritual leader taught his disciples how to pray. See, it's the spiritual responsibility for spiritual leaders to teach us how to pray. Someone taught me how to pray. Someone taught me how to talk with God, how to have a conversation with God. And and even still, I struggle at times to pray. Let me tell you a little bit of my uh, journey with prayer is I remember sitting in church when I first gave my life to Jesus and I would often hear the preacher or the pastor say, you know what you need to do? You just need to pray. You just need to pray. They would always uh, admonish us. You need to pray. You need to pray. To which I would sit there and say to myself, I don't know how. And even at times now, still, 37 years old, been in ministry for almost 20 years, there are still some times and seasons in my life where I just struggle in this thing called prayer. Confessions of a pastor. You guys love it whenever I do this. Is I do. I struggle with prayer sometimes. I don't know if it's the ADD. You know, I'm ADD, ADHD, A through Z. I'm all of the above, okay? I don't know if it's the ADD. I don't know if it's social media. I don't know if it's, if it's just the, the demands of life and the demands of ministry and the demands of work. Or maybe it's just, you know, kids running around the house. There's so many different things that vie for our, they're vying for our attention and they're, they're just coming at us and they're pulling on us. For me, I struggle at times to pray. Here's another confession for you. That for me, there have been times in my life, even still, when I'll be in a church environment and, or, or be in a, some type of environment where there's a lot of people and they're about, I know they're about to go to this prayer moment and they'll say, they'll, they're looking for someone in the room to pray. And, and especially like at Thanksgiving or Christmas, it's about to be the meal and everyone's looking around the room. And of course, they're going to look at the pastor, right? And, and it's like, hey, hey, would you mind praying? I get so nervous in those moments. I like, I like just get like, and I'm standing up in front of a crowd of people talking. Isn't that weird? But, but with prayer, it's like, I don't know if I wonder, like, am I going to say the wrong thing? Is it not going to sound spiritual enough? Is it not going to be eloquent enough? Like, am I going to say something that's going to make God look bad or, or me look bad or, or the church look bad? Like, like, I just, sometimes I struggle with prayer. I imagine that, that you're probably a little bit like me. I don't know what your struggles with prayer may be. Uh, Maybe you have no struggles at all. Maybe you have the perfect prayer life. Well, you're dismissed. This sermon (laughs) is not for you, okay? This one's not for you. Maybe, uh, maybe, ooh, sorry. Maybe maybe for you, uh, you had this time in your life where your prayer life was strong and it was fervent, it was passionate. Maybe you've sort of grown stale there. Maybe you'd like to pray more, but you just don't seem to have any margin and you're scheduled to pray. Maybe like me, you just find yourself majorly distracted when you sit down to pray. Maybe you sit down to pray and you go for about 20 seconds and you're like, well, I'm out of things to pray about. Maybe you just, you just wish that you had more of a desire to pray and you don't have a, a desire at all. Maybe, um, maybe even this, maybe you find yourself at times trying to sit there in the presence of God and pray and you're sitting there and you have all these random thoughts that rush through your mind about work and about life and about your kids and about your finances and you're sitting there and you're trying to connect and you're trying to pray and you just feel like your mind is chaotic. Listen, here's what I know is that prayer is a central part, or should be a central part of the Christian life. And that you and I, we have got to learn this. I would submit to you that you learning to pray is more important than you hearing me preach. Because if you can get to the source, it's so much better. Now listen, hopefully I'm a decent preacher and you get something out of it. But my deepest desire is that every single one of us 
we would have a prayer life. Look what Henry now, and one of my favorite, favorite uh, writers on the issue of prayer, the topic of prayer, said this, a spiritual life without prayer is like a gospel without Christ. <laughs> Check, please. Right? A spiritual life without prayer is like a gospel without Christ. But the reality is, is that you and I, we live in busyness and the chaos and the hustle and the bustle. Uh, I thought about a way to illustrate this. This could go bad, but we're going to try it. Um, I had this idea that when you wake up in the morning, the noise begins. And it sounds something like this. And I'm going to get the team to help me with this. First thing is you wake up in the morning and then the first thoughts become in your mind and it's like almost like a track starts playing and in your mind you start to think about all the things you have to do with the day you got work and you got pack the kids lunch or you got to do this or that and then the next thing you open up social media and then it's like Facebook and you're going through Facebook and Instagram and then you got to get dressed and then you go off to work and then you get to work and then you got your boss and he's just there and he's just like breathing down your neck and you know you go to your cubicle and you're back and forth with people and you're hanging out and you're talking and then you're on your computer and you're typing and then you're checking your email and you're going through your emails and then all of a sudden you go back to social media you're going through Facebook and you're going through those things and then your boss comes back to your area and tells you something else that you have to do and then you get finished doing that and you're like oh my gosh if I could just get a break so then you turn on more social media and you're going through social media and then you're going through Facebook and you're looking at oh my god I cannot believe that she wore that oh my gosh block her block him and then you leave there and then you're like I'm gonna go to the gym because I gotta just get all this off my chest and then you're at the gym and then you're working out and then you go home and then and then this is what our life is like that's what's happening and it's chaos and you can understand why it's so hard to hear from God we have to learn to push pause because because here's the reality listen to me the Bible says that God speaks God speaks in a still small voice. That's a whisper. You cannot hear a whisper like that. Whisper. To hear a whisper, what do you, what do you need? You need silence and you need proximity. You have to get up close and get to a quiet place so that you can hear from the Lord. Over the next few weeks, let's learn to push pause because we can't li- you can't live like that. Brother Wayne Austin, one of my great mentors, said this, a busy man or woman cannot hear from God. You and I, we need to hear from him because man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You and I have got to learn how to pray. So we're going to talk about that for a little bit. Prayer. Let's define prayer for just a moment. What is prayer? In the most simplest of terms, prayer is simply talking with God. I'm telling you this because when I first read a definition, I read many definitions about prayer as I was preparing for this, but what I kept seeing was prayer is talking to God. And as I typed that, I thought, that's just not right. Prayer is not as much talking to God as it is talking with God. It's not just God, God, me, me, help me, me, my knees, my knees. It's, it's God, what do you want to say to me? See, relationships cannot be one-sided. It can, my wife and I, what type of relationship would we have? How would I ever get to know her if all I did was talk about myself? I have to talk with her, not to her. How demeaning is it when you just talk 
to someone and, and you're just talking about yourself. But how rich can a relationship potentially be when you take the time to listen to the other person? See, prayer is simply talking with God. Prayer is more than meditation. Meditation is important, but it's more than meditation or passive reflection. It is a direct conversation with the divine, with God Almighty. It's talking and listening. It's the communication of the human soul with the Lord who created the soul. Prayer is the primary way for the believer in Jesus Christ to communicate his emotions, desires, fears, needs, and so forth with God. Prayer is a means to fellowship with God and to get to know who he is. One of the parts of our vision is this, is that we want every one of you right there to know God on that sign, to know him. One of the ways that you get to know him is through this conversation that he desires to have with you. Prayer, it can be audible or it can be silent. It can be private or it can be public. It can be formal or it can be informal. So how do we, or who do we pray to? That's a question that gets asked a lot. I get asked as a pastor, so who am I supposed to pray to? Is it the Father? Is it the Son? Or is it the Holy Spirit? What about Mary? Where does she fit into this whole thing? What about the saints? Not the New Orleans saints, but the saints, you know. Prayer, by definition, is man talking with God. Listen to this. Prayer, by definition, is man or woman. When I say man, it's right, man or woman talking with God, not man talking with man. Therefore, unfortunately, Mary and the saints are off the table. We honor them, but we do not pray to them. We have direct, listen to me, that's not, a, that's not a slam on Mary or the saints. It's good news for you and I that we have direct access to God. We don't have to go through anyone but Jesus. It's just, it's, we, have a, we have a conversation we can have with God. Prayer must be offered in faith, James 1. In the name of Jesus, John 16, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 8. Let me break that down. We pray in faith, in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit. In faith, what does that mean? Prayer, by its definition, is we are talking with an unseen God. Think about that. That takes faith. Like, like there's many religions that have things that they, idols and things that they look at and they talk to. And they, for us, we don't have that. We don't have idols. We don't have things that we hold. We, by faith, we don't see God. We, we, we don't, sometimes we don't even hear him speak, but we have to, by faith, pray, and we speak with God. It's a faith move. Prayer is totally by faith. It's in Jesus' name. Listen, we have access to God by no other means other than Jesus. This is, this is the, the door. He even called himself, I'm the door. This is the door to have access to our Heavenly Father. It's through Jesus. I love what uh, Timothy Keller said. These are some bomb statements. He said this, to pray in Jesus's name means to acknowledge that we only have access to the Father's attention and grace through the mediation and work of our Savior, Jesus. Listen, when you pray in Jesus's name, it's a declaration and an acknowledgement of the gospel that it's because of Jesus that you can't have access. To pray in Jesus' name, he goes on to say, then is to be aware of the grace of the gospel as the basis of our prayer. And finally, he says, watch this, this is so good. When we consciously or unconsciously expect God to hear our prayer because of our relative freedom from overt sin or because of our service or moral effort, we are praying in our own name. Do you, do you, do you sense that? Here's what he's saying, he's like, a lot of times in our life, what we do is we think that, that if, if I've been really good, 
if I haven't committed a bunch of overt sins, if I've kind of served the poor or served at church and done all these things, now I've earned access to God for him to hear my plea and to respond to my prayer. And then here's what we're doing. We're praying in our own name. But when we acknowledge it's not me living in overt or living in freedom from overt sin, it's not me living some morally, you know, perfect life. It's not those, that's not what gives me access to God. It is Jesus. It's what he did on the cross. It's his mediation for me. It's him doing everything for me that I could never do for myself. That's why we pray in Jesus's name. It is in his name. We pray by faith in Jesus name. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, one of his roles in our life is he guides us. He directs us. He will guide you in prayer. He will put things, you'll sense. Have you ever had those moments where you just sense like you should pray for someone? That's the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you. And even when you don't even know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit will intercede on your your behalf. The Holy Spirit is so important when it comes to our prayer life. There's different types of prayers. I want to highlight these for a moment. Ephesians chapter 6 says this, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. So there's different types of prayers. The Protestant and the Catholic Church uh, use a lot of the same language, and there's a little bit of uh, differences in the language, but I'm going to break it down the way that I, I really felt like it's the most accurate. There's five different types of main prayers that we can pray. It's prayers of adoration. That's praise and blessing and things that we're just saying, God, I praise you. I thank you. I mean, it's Really, it's like worship. It's prayers of adoration and worship. There's prayers of supplication, or some people call it petition. This is when you're requesting needs that you may have. Like, I need, I'm, I'm praying that God will heal my body, or I'm praying that God will bring breakthrough in my finances. That's prayers of supplication. Then there's prayers of confession, where we can come before him, and we confess our sins to him. And we say, God, I, here's what I've done. Here's the thing, thought, thoughts that I've had, or here's the things that I didn't do that you told me to do, and I confess that before you. It's prayers of confession. Then there's prayers of intercession. This is when we pray for the needs of other people. When we pray for family members or our children or our friends that don't know Jesus, this is intercession. And then there's prayers of communion. This is when we simply have a conversation with God. This is when we pray to get to know him. And this is what I want to drill down in for a moment. The other prayers are important. Maybe we'll talk about those on our podcast, but for a moment, let's talk about communion. Because this is what I really felt like the Lord wants to speak to us today. Communion is simply this. It's union with. Prayers of communion is when you are being intentional about coming in union with God. And and in the same way that, that a husband and wife are intentional coming together. Right. It's coming in union together. It's intimacy. This is what God desires for us in our life. There's three different types of prayers or three different types of things I want to share with you underneath this heading of communion with communion with God. Here's the first one. It's the priority of prayer. This is the priority of prayer. Why should we prioritize prayer? Listen, I I think one of the number one reasons is because scripture commands us to do it, instructs us to do it. Colossians chapter four says this, devote yourselves to prayer. Notice it doesn't say that someone else is going to devote you to prayer. It says devote yourselves to prayer. Notice that no one else can devote you to the gym, right? Have you ever noticed that? Like you have to devote yourself. You got to show up. You got to do it. No one can do that for you. There's some things that, that only you can do for yourself. And it says, devote yourself to prayer. Romans 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. So don't only make a decision to devote yourself to prayer. Don't only make a decision to prioritize it once, but then become faithful in it. Become committed to that thing. We live in a city and in a region where I've just, listen, I've been slow to say this because I've only lived here for a couple years now, but I've noticed that we struggle with something called commitment in San Francisco. We're always looking for the next best job. 
We're always looking for the next best deal for housing. I understand that. But we have to be careful that that doesn't permeate into our spirituality to where we're no longer planting our roots down into God, into prayer, into worship, into church. Into, we have to be committed people, faithful people. God works in the conspiracy of commitment when we plan our lives. He says, be faithful in prayer. First Timothy 2 says, here, let me go back to that, faithful in prayer. That means don't just do it for 21 days. Don't just do it when you need something. Be faithful in prayer. As he goes on, he says in 1 Timothy, uh, Paul says this. He says, so I desire for all men and women to pray everywhere, everywhere, lifting up holy hands. By the way, that's one of the reasons why we lift up our hands. Some of you have wondered, like, why do they lift up their hands in church? That's got to make them so tired. Is this like an exercise? Is it a workout? Uh, yes, we're getting our biceps massive. Just in, No, no, no. Because the Bible says lift up holy hands. Our hands are holy, not because you didn't touch something or do something. Your hands are holy because of what Jesus has done. We lift up holy hands before him and we pray. Paul says, it's my desire that men and women would pray everywhere. And Philippians 4 says this, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day. Offering your faithful request before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. All these scriptures, here's the point I'm trying to make. Prayer should be a priority. If it's prioritized in scripture, it should be a priority in our, in our life. So scripture calls us to prayer. That's why we prioritize it. You know, the other reason why is because our leader, Jesus, he prioritized it. Hebrews 5, Luke 3, Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 6, Mark 1, Luke 5, Luke 9, Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 11, Matthew 14, Matthew 19, John 17, Luke 22, Hebrews 7, John 14, and Romans 8. He prioritized prayer. And that's just a few, few chapters that we have of his life. It was a priority to him. Listen, if prayer was a priority to Jesus, the son of God, do you think it should be a priority to you? Yes. Prayer, many times, is simply just an issue of prioritization. Jesus called his followers to pray in Luke 22, and Jesus said in Mark 11, my house, my church, shall be a house of prayer. Prayer should be a priority to us. But to you and I, here's what we say a lot of times. I just don't have enough time. You ever thought that? Gosh, I don't have, when I look at my schedule, I don't have enough time to pray. I don't have enough time. I love what Martin Luther said. I have so much to do today, I must spend one more hour in prayer. <laughs> what a paradigm shift. When you look at your calendar, you're like, oh my gosh, look at all the things I have to do today. I need to spend one more hour in prayer. Without fully realizing it, Nowen says this, Henry Nowen says, without fully realizing it, we have accepted the idea that doing things is more important than prayer and have come to think of prayer as something for times when there is nothing to do. Why is prayer so important? Here's why. Prayer is so important because it's, I think it may be one of the most powerful things that you and I have when it comes to transforming our lives and becoming like Jesus. John chapter 15, I don't have time to go into it. Read it when you get a chance. It's a plea of prayer. Jesus says to his disciples, one of the last little teachings with his disciples, he says, guys, remain in me as I remain in you. If you don't remain in me, you can do nothing. You can bear no fruit. Your life can produce nothing. But if you remain in me and my words abide in you, they live in you, they continue in you. If you receive from me my word, if you remain in me and I remain in you, your life is going to produce fruit. Your life is going to be transformed. Your life is going to be powerful. Listen, I'm telling you, prayer 
is the means by which God uses to transform our lives into the image of Jesus. It is by prayer. It is his word. It is his presence. It's all those things. But it's in prayer that we begin to have a conversation with God. And literally, he begins to transform our very souls, minds, and hearts. It is in prayer. Second thing I want to share with you is this. Not only is it a priority, but it's a practice. There is a practice to prayer. There is an actual practice to it. My, my dad used to tell me, son, practice makes perfect. I disagree. Thanks, dad. I disagree. Practice makes progress. And we must practice if we're going to, to, uh, to discover what true prayer is all about. Matthew 6, Jesus talked about the practice of prayer. Um, he says this, hey, guys, whenever you pray, when you pray, when, when, not if, when you pray, right? When you pray, here's what he says. Here's some instructions. Go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. These are people that were not followers of God. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. He says, don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Instead, pray like this. Jesus said this, our father in heaven, which tells you it's relational. Our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. That's praising his name. He says, may your kingdom come soon. That is not my will, but your will be done. He says, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. There's, there's petition and request. And forgive us our sins and we have forg- as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Here's what I want to share about this. is Jesus makes a few statements in there that I think really give us a great idea of, of how we should pray. Here's the practice. I think if you want to get some tips on prayers, number one is you have to set aside a specific time. I've learned this in my short journey of 17, 18 or so, 19 now years of following Jesus. If I don't put Jesus in my calendar, everything else will fill it. If I don't put a date night with my wife, everything else is going to fill it. If I don't put it in my calendar to have one-on-one time with my kids, everything else is going to fill it. And so what I've discovered to do is I just set aside time. This is my baseline. You can pray all day. You can pray without ceasing. You can do all those things. But what I've discovered is if you want to learn the practice of the presence of God, you have to have a set aside time as your baseline saying this is for you, God, and no one else. So in the morning, I have my morning. I set aside my time. It's in my calendar. You can see it on my calendar. And when people say, hey, Jason, do you you want to do breakfast at this time? I'm like, man, I already have an appointment. I don't even tell them who I'm meeting with, but they're more important than them, obviously. (laughs) I love you, my friend. I love you. But I have an appointment already. I have set aside time for someone. I actually meet with this person every single day. That's how important it is to me. Right? And and so you have to set aside time uh, for for God. Here's the second thing. I would say set set aside a specific place. Is there anything special about a specific place? No. But what I've discovered is you begin to kind of wire your brain when you have a set aside place where you do the same thing in that place every day. It becomes this routine, and it becomes like, you know when you go to that place. For me, I have this chair in my office. I go to my office, and I sit down in this chair, and it's like, I know what we're about to do. It's on, God. We're about to have a conversation, right? Set aside time, set aside place. And I believe the other thing that Jesus says here is, is there's a pattern. There should be some type of pattern. It doesn't mean there's only one, but you need to go into your prayer time 
with intentionality. David said it like this. I think it's in Psalm 5. He says, every morning, so it's in the morning, right? Every morning, I direct my prayers to you and I wait expectantly. The word direct there in the Hebrew, it's a, it's a military term that the generals would use or the commanders would use that meant simply this. They would open up their strategy. They'd gather their men around and they'd say, here's how I'm going to direct you. Here's the strategy. Here's the plan that we're going to approach the enemy with. And David uses that same military language saying, when I come to God, it's in the morning. I got to set aside time. I get with him and I direct. I have a strategy. I have a plan. There's a pattern. I direct my prayers towards God. It's not just like, oh, it's organic and it's in intuitive. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm intentional about my God. I'm intentional about my conversation. I tell you this, the best conversation I've ever had or the best conversations I ever have, or whenever I go, go into those conversations, being intentional with my words, being strategic in how some of the worst conversations and leadership that I ever have is when I didn't think through what I was going to say. I think it's so powerful whenever we really have some type of strategy and pattern. doesn't mean your words have to be perfect. And there definitely are times when you can just respond to God. But I think there's something powerful about that. For me, my practice has been changing and evolving through the years. I imagine yours probably has as well. I used to pray in different types of ways, but now I have these few things that I do. I'll share them with you. It's really, it's five things. It's solitude, silence, scripture, share, and silence again. Let me break it down for you for a moment. Solitude, I go into my office, and right now I don't have a door in my office. Remember Jesus said, go into your private place and shut the door. I don't have a door. What am I going to do? Well, I ordered a barn door, and I'm going to put it in my office because I'm shutting out everyone else. It's just me and the Lord, right? So, so I have solitude. Here's the point I'm trying to make. That could be in your car. But it's a time for just you and him. It's no one else. It's not you and your phone and, and Instagram and Facebook. It's not you. It's a time where it's just God is just is you and it's me in this moment. I don't share my bed with other people. It's just my wife. This prayer is one of the most intimate things you have with God. I don't, you don't, let's not invite other people. Let's just me and you, Lord. Lord, you get my undivided attention. It's you. So solitude. And then here's what I do. Now, this one's a stretch for me. Silence. Oh, dear God. I like to talk. I'm up here talking right now, right? Silence. The first time I sat in silence, it sounded like what we heard earlier. It was like all this stuff. I had to detox my soul from the noise. At first, I started with one minute of silence. It felt like a year. Then it was two minutes. Now, now sometimes I'll five, ten minutes of silence. My kids will come into to the, to the room where I'm in there having my silent moment. They probably think I'm so weird. I'll hear it patters, and they run in there, and they, they slam on brakes. They look at me like, what is he doing? I'm just being silent, being silent before the Lord. And then I have scripture. I'll begin to recite a scripture. I did this on the Sozo at Home thing. I said, be still and know that I'm God. I said that. I don't know if you remember that. Here's what sometimes I'll do. I'll start off in the morning whenever I have my time with the Lord. I'll just sit in silence and then in my mind, I won't even say it out loud in my mind, I'll, I'll recite, be still and know that I am God. I'll meditate on that for a moment. I'm centering myself and I'm getting, I'm preparing, I'm clearing out the clutter and I'm getting ready to hear from the Lord. And then I'll begin to ask questions in my mind. Be God, what do you need? What do you need me to understand that you don't need me to do anything? You just want me to be with you. Why do I struggle? I'll ask God, why do I struggle with just being? Why do I always feel like I gotta do something? You see what I'm saying? And I'll start to just have that conversation around scripture. I think scripture is one of the most powerful ways that you and I can pray. You ever want to know what God speaks like? You ever want to know if it's God's voice and not your own? God speaks the way he writes. 
Let God's scripture begin to lead you. I love this. Timothy Keller said, prayer is continuing a conversation that God has started through his word and his grace, which eventually becomes a full encounter with him. Scripture is another part. Then I'll begin to share. From those scriptures, I'll just begin to share my heart with God. Like God, like I was just saying, be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know. God, here's, here's the thing. Will you, you need to know this, God. Like I, I don't fully know myself. Will you teach me more of who, who you've made me to be? Be still and know that I'm God. God, will you help me to stop trying to act like I'm God in my life? God, why do I do that? Why, why, do, why do I act like I'm, I'm in control of my life? Why do I try to, to think I'm, the, I'm just the provider? You're my provider. Help me to understand that. Help me to truly know that. Or you can do scriptures like the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. God, why do I a lot of times, why do I act like I need more when all I need is you? And then I'll just wait and see if he says something. And what I've discovered is that God will speak in those moments. There's something beautiful I'm going to talk about on the podcast called Lectio Divina. It simply means divine reading. It's using scripture to guide you in your prayers and a conversation with God. Tune in for it. It's going to be great. Uh, and then the last one is this, is I'll, I'll have a moment of silence again where I just settle down in case he wants to say something else. Here's what I want to challenge you to do in your practice. You don't have to do my way, but you need to find your way. What is your practice? What is your way? I'm encouraging you to lean in in this 21 days to do this. When you're just getting started, you will struggle, so get ready. Like anything. First time you tried to walk, you struggled. First time you rode a bike, you struggled. And when you first try to start praying, you will struggle. The struggle will be real, but the struggle will be worth it. Listen, the only way to pray is to pray. And the only way to pray well is to pray much. Isn't that a great quote? So here's what I'm asking you to do. Maybe if you've never prayed before, carve out the first 10 minutes of, prayer, first 10 minutes of your morning. That may, may mean, mean you need to wake up a little bit earlier in the morning. But carve out the first 10 minutes. Just spend 10 minutes with God. Maybe a moment in silence. Then maybe a moment where you, where you quote a scripture. Maybe you read a scripture. And then you meditate on that scripture. Then you begin to ask questions around that scripture and just see if God wants to speak to you. I believe he wants to have a conversation with you. Carve out the first 10 minutes. Maybe even find a Bible reading plan on version. And then the last one is the 21 days of prayer and fasting. I encourage you, if you've never spent time developing the practice of prayer, there's not a better time to do it than in this 21 days of prayer and fasting. And then the last one is this, the privilege of prayer. Not only is there the priority of prayer, um, not only is there the practice of prayer, but there is the privilege of prayer. Luke chapter 10 is beautiful. Read this yesterday, and it really ministered to me. I want to share it with you. Um, it's beautiful because in this chapter right here, in these few verses, Jesus is invited to a lady named Martha's house. And Martha has a sister named Mary, and they have a brother named Lazarus. Remember Lazarus? He's a dead guy, been in the grave for three days. Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth, you know, resurrected from the dead. Pretty big deal, Okay. Lazarus's sister, Martha, she, she has her home and she says, Jesus, come to my house, be a guest at my house. I imagine this is probably after Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. And so they want to celebrate and honor Jesus. So Martha invites Jesus to come over. And so he comes and he's there and imagine he's in the living room. And the Bible says that Martha is in the kitchen and she's working hard preparing the meal, right? And she, this is a big deal to her because she wants to offer Jesus her best this is her service to him. This is her activity. It's what she wants to give to him to honor him. But Mary is such a contrast. Mary is, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus, just like, just sitting there, like doing nothing, 
Absolutely nothing. Just sitting there, hanging on his, his every word. And he's just speaking. He's teaching her. And she's just receiving what he wants to say. Anything he wants to say, she's just hanging on every word. Martha, in the meantime, Martha gets so mad. She's like, my sister is so lazy. She doesn't help me do anything. She's just she's like, lid pops. She goes crazy. She comes in there and she interrupts Jesus in the middle of him speaking into Mary's life. Martha interrupts this. Martha says, Jesus, do you see this? I'm in there doing all the work and I need something. I need help. And she's just sitting there, just, just sitting there doing nothing. She's, she's good for nothing. She's just sitting there and you're just like talking to her. And she, Could you tell her to get up and come in there and help me? And Jesus goes, pause. Martha, you are getting frustrated about things that you're just distracted with. And I get it what you're trying to do. You're trying to bless me. You're trying to do something for me. And you're distracted by what you need. She's actually discovered the most important thing. Says it, read it when you get a chance. He says, she's actually discovered the most important, the, actually the only necessary thing, which is to be here at my feet. And no one's going to take that privilege from her. That's what he says. No one would take it from her. I think the reality is, is a lot of times my life looks like Martha and Jesus wants me to look like Mary. Where I get so caught up in activity for Jesus, I forget to have intimacy with Jesus. It's all about what I can do for him. Do, 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 do. And he says, push pause and just sit in my presence. And we get so distracted with all the things that we need. God, and so our prayer life just becomes strictly like this. It's one dimensional. It's petition, petition, supplication, supplication. Help me with this. Do this for me. Do this for me. Please, please. He's a genie in a bottle. That's how we treat him. And Jesus says, I need nothing else other than you just to sit at my feet. That's what I'm calling you to in this 21 days. And here's how I want to finish today. I didn't ask the band to come up. It's a little bit different. This could potentially be awkward. Have you ever seen a turtle upside down? It's awkward. It's an awkward moment, okay? It's awkward for him, for everyone. <clears throat> this could potentially be awkward, so don't let it be awkward, okay? Instead of the band playing, a friend of mine wrote this song, just released it like two days ago, and it's called Nothing Else. And as I had, the, I read that text yesterday and I had this song playing in the background and literally I sensed the presence of God just come. I shut my computer, I stopped everything and I just sat, nothing else, just sat in his presence and listened to these lyrics and these lyrics, they really did something in my heart. And I want you just to do this, shut your eyes for a moment. I want you just to take these words in and then I'm gonna come up at the end and I'm gonna pray. Just listen to these words. Yeah. 
I'm sorry When I've just gone through the motions I'm sorry When I just sang another song Take me back to where we started I open up my heart to I'm sorry When I've come with my agenda I'm sorry When I forgot you're enough Take me back to where we started I open up my heart to you I'm caught up in your prayer
that is our prayer today is that we just want you nothing else Jesus even if you never did another thing for us we're thankful for you we're thankful for you Jesus we worship you right now we praise you Jesus my prayer for each and every one of us is that in this season of 21 days that you would, you would come closer to God than you've ever been before in your life. And as your pastor, I just want to encourage you with this. Let's, let's pursue Jesus in 2019 more than we ever have. Amen, church? Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.